Good afternoon, everyone. Allison Skaberg here with Consolidated Planning Group. We are happy to be here with you this Wednesday. Um, we are going to just go over a couple of housekeeping items um, before we jump into today's presentation. Um, if you are joining us by podcast and want a copy of today's slides, you can send an email to contact at cpgcares.net and we'll be happy to provide you a copy of the slides that are going along with this presentation. From a housekeeping perspective, um, we are in webinar mode today, so we can't see you or hear you, but we do know you're there. Uh, we invite you to put your questions in the chat box. I'll be monitoring the chat box today and we'll be reading out those questions to Jacqueline. Um, our webinar is being recorded today. Everyone who is registered for today's meeting will get an email later today or tomorrow with a copy of the slides and a link to the recording. So if you need to reference back um, to this. So again, Allison Scobber, Consolidated Planning Group. Consolidated Planning Group is a holistic uh, financial planning firm. Um, we are specifically nuanced in special needs. We have over 30 years of experience. We're an advisory and consulting firm. I come to you as a parent, as a frustrated parent. Things are difficult when we have kids with disabilities and navigating what we need to do um, for them to be successful uh, to you know to the the resources and the, the programs that are available out there for our kids are many but navigating how and when and how to get through some of the red tape that we have to is sometimes difficult so we um, we do these webinars on a weekly basis um, all kinds of topics. They live on our um, YouTube channel. We have a Consolidated Planning Group YouTube channel. There's over 200 webinars on special needs planning related topics. It could be guardianship, special needs trust, um, Social Security, SSI, those types of things, so many different things. But at Consolidated Planning Group, um, you know, people come to us because they want to plan for their loved one um, who may have care needs for the rest of their life, or uh, what we say is plan for the worst and hope for the best. Um, people want to plan for their loved one after they're gone, and they need to know how much do we need to fund a special needs trust. We're able to do those future care cost estimates for families. Plan um, for a time when you're unable to provide the caregiving services that you once did. We help people set up ABLE accounts. Um, I always like to explain the difference between um, a special needs advisor versus a special needs attorney. A lot of times we get calls people saying, hey, I need to set up guardianship or I need to set up a special needs trust. We work very closely with the attorneys all across the state. There are very specialized attorneys that um, work on guardianship and special needs trust. We're very specialized in working um, with specifically special needs and having the money in the right buckets to protect you know, state and federally funded programs. Um, but the attorneys, the paper, they're the legal documents. You gotta have the legal documents and we're the money. How much money do we need? How much money do we need for our own retirement? And then how much money do we need to fund that special needs trust? So the future care of our loved one is gonna be the way that we anticipated. There's over 250,000 financial advisors in the US and less than uh, one-tenth of a percent have any background in special needs. And your situation is specialized. It's really, really important uh, to work with a specialist. It's okay if you already have an advisor. Um, most of the families that we work with already do have an advisor and that's okay. Their advisor just isn't nuanced in special needs. So we always like to um, you know, explain that to people. We are nationally certified as social security advisors and members of the Special Needs Planning Academy. And we do work on a collaborative team at CPG. So today um, we are excited to have Jacqueline Carter um, here with us today. And um, she is gonna be um, providing an overview of workforce solutions and programs programs that are available um, to help get our loved one with a disability to work. Um, we've done some webinars in the past uh, on similar topics. And, and again, we do invite um, folks to put their questions in the chat box. Don't be shy. Um, if you have a question, probably somebody else does too. And, um, and today, uh, Jacqueline is going to kind of discuss some of, um, some of the things where we may have run into some roadblocks in the past. So Jacqueline, um, we are super excited that you're here with us today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're going to go over with us today. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Again, I, um, I am a retired vocational rehabilitation counselor. I used to work with um, the transition caseload, which is students ages 14 to 22. 
I've also have experience working in the private sector of vocational rehabilitation services, working with injured workers and insurance companies. Uh, background, I have a master's in VR and a bachelor's in special education. I've been in this field for over 30 years as I'm now retired and now working as a navigator, um, presenting information about vocational pre, uh, vocational pre-employment transitional services for both vocational rehabilitation services and workforce solutions that tend to work with people who are neurotypical. So... So, Jacqueline, you know, some people may not even know that these programs exist. I mean, I, we eat, sleep, and breathe this all the time. But the bottom line is, is that there are programs in every state. If you're joining us from um, out of state, we're talking about Texas today. Um, but there are programs in every state that are designed to close the gap um, for an individual that has a disability that is an impediment to employment. Um, there are state um, and federally funded programs. They have dollars to help our kids um, and loved ones get to work. And so we're going to be talking about that today. And um, throughout this presentation, you'll learn how to get your child or loved one connected to these services. She's going to kind of go over what these services are and what they do. But again, it's 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 designed to get them um, working and not underemployed with substantial gainful activity, right? Closing the gaps on their impediments to employment. So I'm going to leave that with you and uh, take it away, Jacqueline. Okay. So basically, workforce solutions. We're helping um, not only our students learn about pre-employment transitional services that's going to help them prepare for employment, but we also consider workforce solutions. This is in Texas, and um, we consider the employers our consumers or customers too, because we are trying to make sure that we can match the customer with the correct uh, employer and provide support so that they will be able to obtain successful long-term employment. The Gulf Coast Workforce Board uh, serves 13 counties in the greater Houston region. So uh, I don't, I'm not familiar with workforce boards in other states, but um, this one serves 13 counties and we'll go over that shortly. Next slide. As I said, we serve students, families, community partners, and businesses in the Gulf Coast area. Um, we, we have the largest workforce development area in Texas, which is 76 ISDs, 100 charter schools, and 27 career centers. That is how large we are. And just to go over our 13 counties that I myself cover, and I also have another navigator. She just started with us, Ariel Wallace. So we're both covering these 13 counties. That would be Austin, Brazoria, Chambers, Colorado, Fort Bend, Galveston, Harris, Liberty, Matagorda, Montgomery, Walker, Waller, and Wharton. Next slide. So, but the bottom line is, is even if you don't live in one of these counties, there is a student hireability navigator in the county in which you live in Texas. And a lot of these you can get connected through through the public school. There's usually a, a um, someone connected to the public school, which I'm sure she'll talk about later. But even if you don't reside in one of these counties, um, this presentation is for you um, because the, the services are the same. It's just a different navigator in your in your county. Okay, um, this is the map of our region. So how do we help job seekers? We help them find a job, keep a job. Um, if they're underemployed, underemployed, we try to find them um, comparable. Well, if they're injured, we try to find comparable a comparable job. If they're underemployed, we try to help them find a better job um, that will meet their needs and fit their particular uh, qualifications. As a navigator, I host seminars on job search, career planning, education planning, and counseling, and so does the Workforce Solutions. Pre-employment services cover a variety of skills, but we're basically helping the students with career exploration, work-based learning, which is really paid work experience, 
counseling on post-secondary opportunities because we find that if we get the students in early, like we start at age 14, they're more apt to go to college and they're more apt to be cognizant of the different careers that they can uh, perform and that are and opportunities that are available to them. Workplace readiness and self-advocacy. In workplace readiness, we consider preparing them to be independent, which could be college prep, financial planning, uh, disability disclosure. Uh, it's just a lot of services that we can provide and we try to individualize them to meet the students' needs to prepare them for employment. We help young people choose, go ahead. You had a question? Well, I was just going to say, there's a lot of confusion because, you know, there's the, um, you know, Workforce Commission Vocational Rehab, and then there's this Workforce Solutions Pre-Et Summer Earn and Learn, also called SEAL, you know, the Pre-Employment Training Services. Sometimes people are confused on what the two organizations are or if they're all one, and do I need both VR and and workforce solutions on this stuff. Can you can you untangle that? Because a lot there a lot of people are confused on that. Okay. Workforce Texas Workforce Commission is our umbrella agency. They house both workforce solutions and vocational rehabilitation services. So if you um, have a child who's involved in our work-based learning or our paid work experience. And she mentioned the program SEAL, the Summer Earn and Learn. Summer Earn and Learn is a VR program, but they, they are working in, in tangent with Workforce Solutions. So even though they're signing up uh, VR students to participate in a Summer Earn and Learn, Workforce Solutions is the I guess are the ones that's doing the majority of the work. They are providing the employers. They are um, helping us to sign up students for services. They can also provide work um, job readiness training services and onboarding, which is the things that you need when you're gonna work in the US. So uh, signing your I-9 form and documents like that. Now, it's complicated because vocational rehabilitation services also have a paid work experience program. This one can happen at any time, but they have to be in the system to participate in VR services. So the paid work experience with VR services, the only difference is VR has total control over this one and they use different funding. Summer Earn and Learn is funding set aside by Workforce Solutions but VR supplies the job coach or any additional training they may have to maintain and engage in that particular paid work experience. And my, my experience with one of, uh, of our kids was that with VR and um, the vocational rehab, when a person enters into, the, into VR, <clears throat> they're really trying to figure out what are those impediments to employment and there may be some testing done. There might be some neuropsych testing. There might be a vocational evaluation. It's, it's, it's individualized to each person. But on the assessment side of the house, is that more on the, on the VR side than your side? I just want to, that's how it was okay. for us, but I just wanted well, to clarify that. Yeah, well, we, we, we jumped ahead, but okay. We represent both sides. Um, VR has a potentially eligible program, and then they have a program where you can get on the regular caseload. Potentially eligible will cover the five pre-ed services that I just named, career exploration, work-based learning, counseling on post-secondary opportunities, workplace readiness, and self-advocacy. You can get those five services in potentially eligible. What does potentially eligible entail? You simply have to be in special ed, have a medical document that says you have a disability, um, have a picture ID that shows that you're in school. It could be a school picture ID or government picture ID or medical records, or even a letter from the SPED chair, the special education chair or teacher or vice principal, principal saying that you have a disability and you can obtain these five services. The difference between workforce solutions, you can get these five services, but they will not address the disability. The majority of their 
students are neurotypical, meaning they don't have a disability or not perceived as having a disability. If Workforce Solutions gets a person, if a person registers for uh, the pre-employment transition services with Workforce Solutions, they are going to refer them to VR. They may work in tangent together, but VR will supply the job coach, or I think they call it uh, work skills uh, trainer, work skills trainer now, job coach, same thing. So that is- So so one thing you said is be in um, SPED classes, but it is true that these services are available for individuals with a disability. They may not be in SPED classes. That's true, correct? So any number of those ways to prove eligibility, it's basically have a disability that's an impediment to employment. So whether or not you're in SPED classes or not, it's not- it doesn't mean that services wouldn't pre- be provided in the event that the individual does have a disability. Is that correct? Okay. They have to have a disability to participate in the vocational rehabilitation, potentially eligible services or the pre-ed services, because that is our only population. Now, um, they also, I know what you're saying now. I, I just got it. They can they can have a 504 plan, which means that they have accommodations in school. So if they have if they have a 504 plan, an IEP, an R document, or medical records, then they're eligible for the pre-employment transition services or vocational rehabilitation services. Thank that you. is the population VR serves. Now, workforce solutions, on the other hand, as I said their population will depend, their eligibility determination will depend on other things. Um, For instance, if you have someone who's socioeconomically depressed or their unwed mother or father, or they have a mental illness, challenges to work, there's a uh, underemployed, there's a, a, a great deal of requirements too, but it's, Almost anyone, pretty much. I haven't heard of anyone being turned down for Workforce Solutions pre-employment transition services. Okay. Employment. Oh, do you have any other questions before I get back to the the flyer? I mean, the PowerPoint. I, th- I, think, we're, I think we're great. Okay. So how employers can help prepare the next workforce generation. You know, when I said that we provide uh, the five pre-ed services and workplace readiness, part of that is career exploration. Um, We can do workplace tours, job shadowing, career mentorship, service learning, work experience. Um, So uh, they have apprenticeships, on-the-job training. There are a lot of different ways that someone with or without a disability can become successfully employed. We try to match the student's temperament and aptitudes and capability and educational development to the job that so in hopes that they will be very successful. I always advocate if you look at jobs or if you have skills that you are good at, that you have an affinity for, that you're blessed to have, if you choose a career in that occupation, you're more apt to be successful. Next slide. Advantages of working with students. Employers will get job ready candidates. We increase diversity in the workplace, high retention rate because we have job coaches and other support staff uh, that will help them. Talent pool expansion, increased workforce loyalty, and financial support and subsidies available for eligible students. Next slide. Okay, now we're on pre-employment transition services, or as some of the counselors call it, pre-ets. So student hireability navigators provide awareness to 75 plus school districts. I think we've already spoke about that. Um, We try to increase the student referrals for VR and workforce solutions. Uh, We identify and address gaps and opportunities in each area, which was said before. And we support partners between districts. Um, We we work as a liaison. We try to liaison between different business partners, school, ISDs, vocational counselors, workforce solutions, and any other entity 
that can help us promote pre-employment transition services. Not only am I available to give information to speak about the services, but I'm also going to serve as a liaison. If you are a business or an entity that have a service that you think will benefit um, students, in pre-employment skills, I'm here to give that information out so that everybody's working together in tangent. So we do not provide direct support, which is hard for me as a counselor because I'm used to providing that direct support. So I will blur the lines a little bit, but that's okay. That allows me to answer some of the questions that you guys will have about your particular child or student. Next slide. So we already went over the pre-employment transition services. And once again, if you're unfamiliar with work-based learning, work-based learning is mostly paid work experience. Job readiness can take a host of different services. As a counselor, I pay for college prep classes, as I said before. Um, we have STEM camps, job readiness camps. We have programs where they can go on a college campus and um, get familiar with the requirements of going to college, uh, FOSFA applications and scholarships. When do you disclose you have a disability? Uh, resume preparation, how to interview. There's so many different services and self-advocacy is a big one. Next slide. So we were talking about job exploration. We do have different standardized tests that we can provide. We can pay for a vocational evaluation, which is a professional in the in voc in rehab world that can help us determine the scouse, the your child's temperament, his aptitudes, um, you know, his interests, career interests. Uh, provide information on post-secondary educational requirements. Some of these possibilities, I think they have uh, down here is the Berkman Career Assessment. I actually took that one. We use it a lot for people who are uh, with a neurodevelopmental disorder. We have mentorship days. That's part of our career exploration with our students. So uh, next slide, we'll talk about the eligibility. I I'll stop right here and talk about the eligibility process because that was mentioned for vocational rehabilitation services. So before I get to post-secondary, what are requirements for VR? One, you must have a disability, as I said earlier. Two, the disability must be an impediment to employment. Three, you must need the services of vocational rehabilitation to engage in, obtain, maintain, or progress um, in our uh, or in or progress in your employment. So, as I said before, VR is an eligibility-based program. So we can help you keep your job. We can help you advance in your career. We can help you find a job. We actually pay people to find you a job. We can provide apprenticeships. There's a possibility that if post-secondary education is the way to go to help you achieve your vocational goal or your student's vocational goal, post-secondary opportunities are available plus counseling and guidance. Um, I'm not gonna, I kind of said that we can help you with college. There are times when VR will pay for college, but that is an eligibility requirement. You must meet the, the requirements for student support. Um, there's possibility that we can provide adaptive equipment that's needed for school and for work. There's so many different things. We have a, a VR has a supported employment program for individuals that are are living with ID or may have sufficient barriers to employment that they need a job coach or somebody working with them or they need additional supports. So back to the five pre-ed services. Counseling on post-secondary education. So we can provide, counselors can provide direct counseling and guidance. 
um, or they can pay a vendor to provide counseling on post-secondary educational opportunities. There are a host of programs. Like I said, there are programs where your student or child can stay on campus at a at a college somewhere and get acclimated to their surroundings and they can find out information on scholarships, how to apply for FOSFA, what it takes to be a college student. They can give them some reality counseling on um, on post-secondary educational goals. So as you can see, some of the things they look for is uh, access services and ports from developmental intellectual disabilities. They identify interests, abilities, talents, needs, learning styles, preferences, and goals. This is an individualized plan. If you have two siblings, one person's plan is going to look totally different. So if, if one person we're paying for their VR is paying for, say, room and board, because um, I'm just using an example, say they're blind and they're getting a waiver for being blind or they have a waiver for being adopted or a waiver for de being deaf and hard of hearing or deaf, then VR can may possibly be able to su supply the room and board, pay for books and supplies. If they need a tutor because the Office of Disability is not providing the services necessary for them to be successful in their as a student, VR can step in and also assist with that. Next slide. So job readiness. Job readiness uh, can be PSAT, personal social adjustment training, social and interpersonal skills, independent living skills. A lot of counselors try to tie um, job readiness in with college prep. I know, um, that's what we did because it takes a lot of skills and abilities if you have a disability, for instance, like autism, that you may be missing some things that you need assistance with. So maybe we need to build some compensatory strategies that's going to help you. Um, communication, positive attitude, uh, if they're going to work and not to school, are they able to accept uh, supervision? How, how are they able to perform job tasks? Can they perform one or two job tasks independently? They look at things like that. Um, hygiene, time management. Um, what we don't have here is, are they taking medication? If they're going straight to work because they're, they're going through job placement or enhanced job placement or supported, supported employment, there's several different ways that they can become successfully employed. What type of uh, skills are they going to need to help them become successful? So I would advocate for all the parents there, if you have children with a disability, please give them job duties. Uh, make Maybe they have to mow the lawn. Maybe they're in charge of taking out the trash or cleaning their room or cleaning a part of the house. These are independent skills that they're building so that they can problem solve and make decisions. Because I did notice as a counselor, one of the things we try to address was problem solving skills, which is gonna make our students more successful. You had a question, Allison? Well, a question and a comment. One thing I wanted to say that we, you know, practiced in our family was like, once they turned 18, of course, some kids have a communication barrier, but as far as communication is um, being intentional on trying to stop speaking for your child, <laughs> you know, you spend your whole life speaking for your child. And just um, like, for instance, if we were on the way to a doctor's appointment, I would say, okay, well, where are we going and who are we going to see? Oh, it's a new doctor. So how, so what are you going to say when the doctor walks in? And we would kind of role play that in the car. So instead of me being the talking head, when the doctor walked in, what do you have? Why are you here today? You know, you know, what is your history kind of giving the, the little bit because when if they do go to higher education and even working with the offices of disability, the office of disability does not want to work with the mama. They want to work with the individual. <laughs> and um, and so practicing that so they have their words and just telling them, hey, it's OK if you say something wrong, I'll be here to help you but you've got this and just practicing that just little things like that, I think do make a difference. We did have a question in the chat box. It says, do you know if it's possible for a student to receive funding for a college program that is not a degree seeking program? There's a lot of certificates. There's a lot of 
programs that are not going to be a two-year or a four-year degree? Are there are there services for that? Yeah, there's on-the-job training. I think the food bank has a lot of certificate-based programs that are available. Also, um, let's see. I know the food bank has one because I sent a student there for he wanted to to be a cook, and because. Uh, an associate's degree in culinary arts require a lot of math, and he had difficulty passing that portion. So we we found an on-the-job training and a certificate program at the food bank, the Houston Food Bank. But there's also other programs out there that we can use, and a counselor. Has well, I think can I can I just say this? Like we've done like webinars with like um, the Vast Academy HCC, mm -hmm. like Alvin Community College has a program. They all have. There's like next steps and there's thrive and there's these different programs mm -hmm. and they could be nine months. They might be a year. They might be two years. They might be learning horticulture um, or they might be learning the hospitality industry. It could be affiliated with A&M. UT has a program. I think those are the programs that they might be talking about that are non degree programs. They might get a certificate they might get a license, but not a degree. So I, it, what, what about those? Would those be covered? Okay. Um, Possibly. It depends. Now we will, uh, VR counts, I'm, I'm not going to speak for them because this is really a question that the individual parent and student need to have with their counselor. Because there are programs that we may help with financially if that was your question and like vast vast has a contract with the state so yes we can help with that um some of the programs are uh free there there's no cost associated so it really depends upon the program and that is a conversation you would have with your vr counselor on whether or not they can financially assist you with the cost of that. Typically, if the program is um, affiliated with a school that's certified, they pretty much can assist with financial, they can provide financial assistance. Um, but remember, you don't have to have a certification to go to work. There are apprenticeship programs. There are on-the-job training. Your counselor can find an employer like I think a long time ago, back in the early 2000s, we didn't have a program for locksmith. And my student wanted to be a locksmith. I actually went, this was back when Sears uh, had a shop. I actually went to Sears and talked to the locksmith. And my my student got um, uh, on-the-job training for locksmith. So depending on the counselor and your student's personality and or profile, your counselor can work with you and they will try to determine the best way to help your student or child reach their employment goal. Jacqueline, um, I want to I want to bring up something and then I probably it's probably on the minds of some of the people that are um, listening to this today. Okay. Um, you know, some of us haven't had the greatest counselors, and I'm not saying myself. I'm just saying that I, we talk to families every week. We, we work with special needs families, and some people have felt like, you know, they're beating their head against the wall or they're getting nowhere. I mean, these services sound fantastic, and someone, you know, working with a child that says, hey, I want to be a locksmith and going the extra mile like you're talking about what if we have families that are in these programs and they're not getting those services, they've had a lot of turnover of, of counselors, or they're not getting a call back, or they're feeling like they're, they're, they got them in the program and now we're going nowhere. How do we get, how do we get that moving? What do we do if we hit that, that, that wall? I know that there's been some um, hiring issues, you know, since COVID, but I just want you not not for this to be negative, because we know that everybody in America has had hiring issues since COVID. Um, but how how do we navigate that as parents? If we really want these services and we want it to be the best that it can be for VR, for for the Prius and the seal and we're hitting a brick wall, who do we call? What do we do? How do we fix this? OK, so. Well, it, it depends. Just like any profession, you have counselors who are tenured, you have new counselors who are just learning their job, 
you have counselors with the majority adult caseload, but because we they don't have a transition VR counselor, we call them TVRCs. Um, your child may be, if a TVRC isn't assigned to your child's school, then they're going to be with a, an adult counselor who will provide transition services. So I like to say that if you feel you're not a good match or you're not getting all of the services that's available, I would first schedule an in-person meeting with the counselor. Come with your list of concerns written down so that you won't forget anything. And when you meet with them, meet with them with the idea of you're going to work together to make sure your student receives the services that's going to help them to be successful. There are times because a counselor doesn't, there are so many programs out there that they may not be aware. If I work with adults, but I'm assigned to work with two different schools, I may not know everything that's available in transition. Um, I was on a neurodevelopmental team. Now there were counselors who didn't know everything that was available uh, for people with neural disabilities. So not every counselor is, got, not, is going to know everything. So as a parent, you're going to have to be the one to schedule that in-person meeting with the counselor and sit down and give them an idea of what you want for them. Keeping in mind that we're working transition is ages 14 to 22. So as was said earlier, talk to your student. The counselor is going to want to talk to their client. If you're a parent and your student, your son or daughter is under the age of 18, yes, you can be in that meeting. Yes, the counselor has to get your permission pretty much before they do anything. So you can speak, but talk to your son or daughter. Prep them so that, so that the counselor will know exactly what they want. That would be my first step in-person meeting with the counselor, tell them your concerns, have them written down so that they know what it is you're concerned about and what kind of services you would like more information on. Because the counselor will but, do but their Let's just services. say that we can't even get a hold of the counselor. So I think that's a great idea. I love the in-person okay. meetings. They're more meaningful. Okay. But in the event that we can't get a hold of the counselor or the counselor and the student absolutely just don't jive, um, then what would be the next steps in that example? These these are great tips. Okay. Thank you for helping us with All this. Right. If you've tried to meet with the, I mean, you can't do success. You can, but I would not advise you to do successful VR via the telephone or the computer. I would advise if you're having problems, one, as I said before, to make an in-person appointment. If you cannot make an appointment, then make sure that you talk to their assistant. If you cannot get the rehabilitation assistant or RA, then go to the next person, which is the supervisor to schedule your appointment. Now, every counselor will give you a CAPS brochure or information about CAPS. I think it's in that application guide for application. I don't advise you to go there right away, but you can. It is your rights to go to client assistance program. But I would go through, I would go through the steps. I would try to talk to the counselor first. Next, if you can't talk to the counselor, go to the supervisor. Then there's a manager. Then I would say, you know, go to CAPS or go to Austin. But I would take it through the chain of command because usually when you hit the supervisor or the manager, they're going to make sure that your, your students' concerns are addressed or that your concerns are addressed. But there is a guide for application and it will tell you what your rights are. It will tell you that you can call a client assistant, you can call the client assistance program and they're like an advocate that will come in and work with you and the counselor. So I, I think what I would say here is parents, if you've had a frustrating experience, um, I would say don't give up. 
um, because these services are really good. There are really good people out there that work as hireability navigators that work for VR. So if you've, if you've run into a snag, I've run into a snag before myself, but don't give up. Don't throw in the towel and just say all is lost and this program is not good because that is not true. It is very good. Um, <clears throat> we just have to be persistent. And oftentimes as parents, we've got a lot on our plate. And so, you know, I think sometimes when the frustration is high, it's easy to throw in the towel. And I would just say, stay the course and, and don't be, don't be afraid to escalate. If, if, you know, if you've been doing everything and responding and handling the things that are supposed to be handled and, and you're not hearing back from anybody, keep, keep it moving. And if you need help, reach out for sure. Okay. I, I will also say that um, I know you mentioned earlier that sometimes your students, your son or daughter will participate in the, um, the, uh, the work-based learning or the paid work experience or the summer programming, whatever, STEM, the STEM program, science, technology, engineering, and math. But once they do that, don't just think that's it. There are so many students that you know, they don't really want to participate in services because they'll have to have vendors come in and do classes. So the student, the counselor may ask the student if they want to participate and they'll say no. And then they may want to just do the summer employment. And so they come at the end where they're graduating from high school and they've gone through the last summer employment program and then they don't reach out to the counselor. So I would say because of the staffing issues that everyone has been having since COVID, you have to be just the student, parent, they have to be just engaged as a counselor. Because what did I say? The squeaky wheel uh, gets the oil. Well, if you're finished one program and you want to do something else, call your counselor. If you need to schedule an appointment, schedule an appointment. Remember, they can take virtual appointments via the computer. If that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do so that you can talk to them in person. And talking to a counselor in person or a virtually face-to-face -face will probably be the best way to make sure you get the services you need. But um, I would not rest on my laurels if your student or son or daughter went through the paid work experience, had a great time, or they went through the STEM camp, had a great time, or job readiness camp, or a job prep or college prep type of camp or service. Don't just sit there. Go and, and, and contact them. What's next? What's on board? What are we doing? My student's going to college. What kind of college prep do you have? What kind of services do you have where they can go explore different colleges or go on campus and work and participate? So be very engaged is my advice. And I just want to say, you know, for a lot of families that have a loved one that has an intellectual disability, sometimes they feel, hey, my, there's no way my child's not going to college. Um, there are a lot of programs. We do have this on our YouTube channel uh, about college programs for individuals with a disability. There are programs all over the U.S. There are programs all over Texas that are really focused on individuals with a disability, with an intellectual disability. So they're just um, educate yourself on their programs. So it might might be true that maybe your child wouldn't be a good fit to go to a traditional university or college experience, but there's a lot of other things out there. So we always just like to make people aware of that. And, and you can check out that on our YouTube channel for sure. Okay. I will say that, um, that a lot of parents aren't aware that a lot, there are universities in Texas that have services for individuals who are autistic, like supports on campus. A lot of those programs fill up very fast. So if you have a if you have a son or daughter who wants to go to college, but they're diagnosed or living with autism, they're on the spectrum, there are programs that can assist them to be a successful student. So you have to ask about these programs. And I'm glad you brought that up. I want you to know that. I've had parents tell me that their child could not go to school because they thought their disability was so severe. You Okay, I'm gonna say this, do not judge me. Parents are not often the best judge on what their child can or cannot do in their future, with their future career. 
go let VR assess them. They, if you're if they're interested in supported employment, supported employment includes at least three job trials on three different work sites where you have a professional that's going to assess their capability to work in the competitive labor market. So please don't just rely on your knowledge of your child. Let someone assess them to determine if if they are a good candidate. Because the last eligibility criteria for vocational rehabilitation services is they're going to have to sustain competitive employment independently. VR is a temporary service. It is eventually going to go away. They will su provide supports. They will assess their customer. They will try to come up with the barriers and assets to employment. They will provide services on an IPE, an individualized plan of employment, to address, ameliorate, or eradicate certain disabilities or challenges that, that they may face in maintaining, obtaining, engaging in, or maintaining, or advancing in their employment or their career. So once once you determine that you want assistance to determine if your son or daughter can work in the competitive labor market, please go through VR and let them do that assessment. Now, remember when I said they have a program that's uh, potentially eligible as well as uh, just regular eligibility on a regular caseload. I want to, because we're running out of time, and I want to touch on that. And we seem to be doing VR only, not the workforce solutions side. So potentially eligible, the services are limited. They're strictly the five pre-ets that we spoke of, and work-based learning, and I uh, is one of them. Um, if you want transportation to a program, if you want financial support for college, if you want assistance with purchasing adaptive equipment, if you need assessments to determine what type of adaptive equipment is gonna be uh, beneficial for your child. Um, if you want a vocational evaluation or assessments to determine if they can work and if so, what career or job industries would be best suited for them. All of these services are offered when they're on the regular caseload. Now, the pre-ets, as you saw before, they can offer that Berkman. Um, so they can do limited vocational assessment or career inventories. But if you want the full services, I would go on the regular caseload. Now, this is what I wanted to make clear. If you're uncertain on whether or not your child or your child will be successful in the competitive labor market, I would probably just say we're going to put them in potentially eligible because once they go through the assessment for vocational rehabilitation services and they're not eligible because they can't meet that last criteria, which is to eventually be able to sustain competitive employment independently, they're going to be kicked out of everything. But if they're in the potentially eligible program, they're gonna get all the services that they can possibly understand or benefit from. So that even if when they graduate, say they're, they, they're graduate from high school or they finish with the 18 plus program, then you can go through the assessment process to see if they're going to be eligible for the other program. So that is a determination that you're gonna to have to make. Um, if you think your son or daughter can work, I would go ahead and tell them I want them to be in the regular program. If there's some question, talk to the VR counselor. Let her advise you on whether or not she thinks your son and daughter would benefit from the potentially eligible program, or if they would benefit from just going straight through to the eligibility determination. Um, we had a couple of questions. I answered one, how early can we start this? It's as early as age 14, but I always like to um, bridge. I know we've been talking about services between the ages of 14 to 22, but I do want to make clear that there are services for all ages for individuals with disabilities. We were just talking about services for ages 14 to 22. It doesn't mean that if they're over 22, that there's no services at all. Um, 
someone asked, are there any lists for um, scholarships specifically for youth with disabilities? Um, we have a webinar on our um, YouTube channel about um, you know, higher education or our college for individuals with special needs. And there is a link to all kinds of scholarships out there. And basically, if you can think of a scholarship, it's out there. Um, there are scholarships out there for individuals with disabilities. It is possible that vocational rehab, if it's in, in the plan, right, for mm -hmm. the, the person to get to work, that the school um, could be covered or at least a portion of it could be. Um, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of scholarships out there. We have links to all of those in that presentation. And then also um, another place that you may want to check with is your um, the social worker at the clinic that you go to. If you go to neurology, oncology, cardiology, any of these specialists, a lot of times the social worker know about disease specific scholarships that they've heard of. Um, there's the, the, the colleges themselves have a website with um, scholarship information. There is just so many out there, um, but it does require parental involvement because it's not an easy task um, uh, navigating that. But again, um, check out our presentation on that and um, kind of give you some guidance on that. Um, and the YouTube channel, I'm going to put that in the chat box again. It, it's already in the chat box somewhere, but I'll put it in. Um, but it's Consolidated Planning Group YouTube channel. We have another question. I know we're running out of time. My child is 16, now in 11th grade with autism spectrum. What would be my first step to take now? This is my first time getting this information. Okay, I would get your 16-year-old child in VR services as soon as possible. They do have a neurodevelopmental team. As I said, um, the person who facilitated is no longer there. I was on that team. And um, so it's been kind of in a stall pattern, but um, I would get them in as quickly as possible. I would go ahead and apply for services. I don't know what your, what, level your child is functioning at are they on the spectrum but they have the capacity to potentially succeed in college or are they going to need supported employment so i would go ahead and 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 get in now so that and i would recommend that you go ahead and and ask if they could get the berkman test um uh because that will help if they do have the if they're reading i think it's the I think it's on a sixth grade level that you have to be able to read to take the Berkman. That will give you some ideas of how they learn, uh, what their style of communication is, their interests, their aptitudes, things like that. So that is a really good test. Um, the paid work experience, which is if it's VRS, is year round. That is invaluable. They also have environmental assessments um, in different work sites for your student. So. Uh, if they're over 22, then they will have to go to the adult program. Remember, to be in VR, the transition program that I'm speaking of today, they have to be in school. And that is an ISD or a homeschool or just elementary, I mean, sorry, high school, secondary school. They have to be in that program. If they're not in secondary school, say so they just graduated high school and they're in college, then they're still going to go to the adult program. So, so someone said, how is the evaluation and assessments handled if they aren't at a sixth grade reading level for the Berkman? Okay. Um, there are a lot of tests. There are nonverbal career interest inventory tests. So VR does not give tests. We counselors have vendors and they pay for tests or they pay for assessment services. Um, so they can send them to a vocational evaluator. They can, if if somebody has special needs and they're going to need a lot of support, I tend to put them on the job site so that they can get assessed on different job sites to see what their skills and abilities are and what their psychosocial uh, interactions are, their temperament and things like that. So, um, but yeah, the state will pay for services to do assessments. Um, the only thing that the client, the counselor is going to assess, they're going to do an eligibility assessment. They're going to assess whether or not they're, um, uh, you know, if going to college and student support 
is uh, the way to go. So there are a lot of different things they look at. Um, but the, those vocational evaluations, just from my experience, they're pretty, I mean, they're pretty thorough. I, I think one of our kids was like a four day assessment or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really looking at all of what could be the potential impediments to employment. So I, I think that the vocational evaluation, as she said, that's with outside vendors, they're valuable. Um, Also, not to mention, oftentimes they also do some of that neuropsych testing, learning disability testing. And if you have a student that is considering higher education and you need accommodations on the college level, that updated testing paid for by them as opposed to you could be used to get those um, updated accommodations on the college level. So there's value. It comes, you know, depending on what those next steps are, you know, it could be all of those assessments could be valuable. Right. Um, It really depends upon the population your child has. For instance, if they're blind and visually impaired and they want to go to college, they're automatically you're going to be assessed on adaptive equipment because they have to be to be successful. So it's a conversation that you would have with the counselor or the student would have with the counselor. Um, not everybody's going to get a neuropsych eval. Not everybody's going to get a vocational eval. Not everybody's going to get an adaptive equipment Just eval. Depends. It's individualized. Sure. It depends on the goal, the disability, the impediments to employment. So, yeah. So um, this this slide right here about um, Start My VR, this is my, I refer people all the time to Start My VR. You can do it right from the confines of your computer um, and get started for VR. And the thing is, is yes, there is a VR counselor, all the ISDs, um, there, there are counselors out there, but you can refer, you can self-refer right online um, right. and get the process started. And since school's about to be out, this might be the best route for you. Um, you know, since they're not going to be doing stuff uh, uh, over the summer, if you, if you're working with your counselor through the school. Um, so, so this is the start my, my VR. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or additional information on that, Jacqueline? Yeah. Um, start my VR is great because what kid doesn't love a QR code, but I will tell you this. Um, I spoke with our community outreach and VR, and she told me that there's a backlog right now of people who applied to start my VR. To me, I'm recommending that you find your closest uh, workforce solutions office because now most of the counselors are housed in workforce solution in that office way in the back where you don't really see them. So I would call the workforce solutions office nearest you and ask for vocational rehabilitation services and apply over the phone or schedule an appointment to come in to apply for services if you want speedy services. You can, um, I have been known to submit applications to some of the offices. So you have my email address. If you have an application form and you turn it into me, I'll submit it to the office. Since I'm a retired counselor, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of the managers that we have here. So yes, you can apply if you start my VR, but there temporarily is a backload um, of applications, so it could take a little time. Okay, so they were talking about some of the disabilities um, in ID, intellectual disability, learning disability, speech impairment, auditory, multiple disabilities, TBI, traumatic brain injury, specific learning disabilities, autism, orthopedic impairments, visual impairments, Tourette's, ADD, ADHD, deaf blindness. Basically, If the disability is mental or physical, I would go ahead and apply. I would also like to caution you, not everyone with a disability will be eligible for services because we do have the eligibility process. And the second part of the eligibility process is the impediment. The disability must be an impediment to employment. And one last thing, I know we're out of time. We only have a minute left. 
but it is important that your student wants to be in in part of the pro in, in a part of the program. So if you have a student that mom wants them to get in the program and the student thinks it's a horrible idea and they don't want to participate, that's a good way for them not to be um, eligible for services. The the student has to have some skin in the game, and that is one part of this program that parents need to understand. Okay, I see a question. Is the program available in KDISD? Funny, because I used to be the transition counselor in KDISD for BVI, for blind and visually impairment. So yes, they do have counselors there. I'm familiar with all of them. You have my information in the chat. I put it in like three times. So if you want to reach out to me, I can, uh, if I know what population you're looking for services for, I can reach out to a counselor and get your application to them. Sounds good. With all well, of them. So from a perspective for, for today, we are out of time, but um, um, Jacqueline's contact information is in the chat box and up on the screen. And um, you are gonna be getting a copy of today's slides as well as a link to the recording. As always, um, we are you know, here to meet with you when it comes to planning for your future. If you've got questions, we can help you um, and navigating some of these things. Our consultations are always free. So should you want to meet with us, uh, you can hover over this QR code. It'll take you to a calendar link where you can schedule your free consultation. Um, it has certainly been a pleasure uh, today, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. If it's um, if you're coming back, um, we're glad we're glad you're back. If it's your first time joining us, we we're glad that you're here today. I hope this has been helpful. We will definitely have additional webinars in the future. Again, all of these webinars are going to live on our YouTube channel. You're going to have um, uh, you're going to have links to that in those slides, and you can peruse those topics. There's over 200 topics out there, so you can look for the topics on kind of the step and planning that you're on. Um, Jacqueline, it's certainly been my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and providing us such great information. And um, like I said, um, folks, just be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. If you've run into some roadblocks, pick up the pieces. Let's keep moving. If you just heard about this today and want to get started, um, we're glad you're here. These are great programs. So thanks again, Jacqueline, for being with us today. Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Bye. Securities and advisory services offered through Triad Advisors, member FINRA and SIPC, Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated and Triad Advisors LLC are not affiliated. Advisory services offered through Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated. Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated is not affiliated with Triad Advisors.